0: Six chapter 19 of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the heavenly twins by sarah g chapter 19 following these days there came a time of perfect peace for both of us evadne's health was satisfactory she led the life she had planned for herself and so long as she shut out all thought of the wicked world and nothing occurred to remind her of the awful needless suffering with which she had become acquainted in the past she was tranquilly happy donino rapidly grew out of arms he was an independent young rascal from the first and would never be carried if he could walk or driven from the moment he could sit a pony grip is the word i know but his legs were not long enough to grip when he began and his rides were therefore conducted all over the pony's back at first his object was to keep on and in order to do so without the assistance he scorned he rode like a monkey Evadne was proud of the boy but she missed the baby and complained that her arms were empty it was not long however happily and apropos propos of the number of my responsibilities i was taken to task severely one day and discovered that i had in my son a staunch supporter and a counsellor whose astuteness was not to be despised i was finishing my letters one afternoon in the library when evadne came in with her daughter in her arms and donino clinging to her skirt i expected the usual don i am sure you have done enough come and have some tea and turned to meet it with the accustomed protest just five minutes more my sweetheart but evadne began in quite another tone i have just heard such a disgraceful thing about you she said a disgraceful thing about me i exclaimed yes i hear you were asked the other day how many children you had and you answered two or three now will you kindly count your children and when you are quite sure you know the number off by heart repeat it aloud to me so that i may have some hope that you will not commit yourself in that way again oh i answered i know how many babies there are my difficulty is about you i am never quite sure whether to count you as a child or not now i call that a mean little score she said carrying her baby off with an affectation of indignation which deceived he had been standing with his back to the writing-table and his feet firmly planted before him gravely watching us and now when his mother left the room he came to my knee and looked up at me confidentially been naughty dad he asked it looks like it i answered oo say oo sorry he advised what will happen then i wanted to know den de missus ill kiss oo he explained Din dat all right truly a wise son maketh a glad father i observed danino knitted his brows and grumbled a puzzled but polite assent i saw signs of reflection afterward however which warned me not to be too sure what i knew exactly where the limits of the little understanding were but one thing was evident the boy was being educated on the principle of repent and have done with it old accounts are not cast up in this establishment donino watched me putting my writing things away he was waiting to see me through my trouble when i was ready he took as much of my hand as he could hold in his protectingly and led me to the drawing-room with a dignified air of importance sir shadwell rock was staying with us at the time and my daughter was creeping from her mother to him as we entered the room and receiving a large share of his attention donino glanced at him fearing perhaps that his presence as audience would make matters more unpleasant for me mummy he said dad's turn evadne looked up inquiringly i've come to say i am sorry i exclaimed oh said evadne a little puzzled that's right donino looked from one to the other expectantly but as his mother made no move he edged up to her side and repeated with emphasis dad's sorry that's right his mother answered putting her arm round him and caressing him fondly he drew away from her dissatisfied and walked to the window where he stood with his thumbs in his belt and his chin on his chest oh don evadne whispered do look at yourself in miniature but what is the matter what have i done to disturb him or left undone i said i was sorry and you haven't kissed me i replied evadne grasped the situation at last and got up i suppose i must kiss you she said i hope you won't be naughty again the boy made no sign at the moment but presently he sauntered back to the tea-table as if he were satisfied when the children were gone sir shadwell asked for an explanation it is beautiful to watch the mind of a young child unfold he observed to notice its wonderful grasp on the one hand of ideas one would have thought quite beyond its comprehension and, on the other, its curious limitations. Now, that boy of yours reasons already from what he observes. Clearly, I answered, he observes that my position in this house is quite secondary, and therefore, although he sees his mother naughty every day, he never thinks for a moment of suggesting that she should own up to me. Don, you are horrid evadne exclaimed the next day she went out early in the afternoon to pay calls sir shadwell and i accompanied her to the door to see her into her carriage and she drove off smiling and kissing her hand to us now i said as we lingered on the doorstep watching the carriage glint between the trees what do you think about the wisdom of my marriage oh he answered his eyes twinkling you didn't explain you know so i naturally concluded that you were merely marrying for your own gratification in which case you would have been disappointed when you found what i foresaw that under the circumstances the pleasure would not be unmixed you should have explained that your sole purpose was to make a very charming young lady healthy-minded again and happy if you wanted to know what i thought of your chances of success you're a confounded old cynic i said turning into the house sir shadwell went out into the grounds and there i found him later patiently instructing donino in the difficult art of stringing a bow his white head bowed beside the boy's dark one and his benign face wrought into wrinkles of intentness i was busy during the afternoon but i fancied i heard the carriage return evadne did not come to report herself to me however as was her wont after an expedition and i therefore thought that i must have been mistaken and more especially so when she did not appear at tea-time after tea sir shadwell settled himself with a book and i left him in the hall i met the footman who had gone out with evadne when did you return i asked i can't say rightly sir george the man replied we only paid one call this afternoon and then came straight back her ladyship seemed to be poorly i ran upstairs to my wife's sitting-room she was lying on a couch asleep her face gray her eyelids swollen and purple with weeping her hair disordered as i stood looking down at her she opened her eyes and held up her arms to me she looked ten years older a mere wreck of the healthy happy smiling woman who had driven off kissing her hand to us only a few hours before tell me the trouble my sweetheart I said, kneeling down beside her, where did you go to-day? Only to mrs Guthrie Brimston, she answered. But mrs Beale was there with Edith's boy, and we talked. Oh, Don, she broke off. I wish my children had never been born. The suffering, the awful needless suffering. How do I know that they will escape? Alas, alas, that terrible cry again and just after we had allowed ourselves to be sure that it had been silenced at last for ever i did not reason with her this time i could only pet her and talk for the purpose of distracting her attention as one does with a child so far i had never for a moment lost heart and hope i could not believe that the balance of her fine intelligence had been too rudely shaken ever to be perfectly restored but now at last it seemed as if her confidence in her fellow-creatures the source of all mental health had been destroyed for ever and with that confidence her sense of the value of life and of her own obligations had been also injured or distorted to a degree which could not fail to be dangerous on occasion there are injuries which set up carcinoma of the mind we know cancer spots confined to a small area at first but gradually extending with infinite pain until all the surrounding healthy tissue is more or less involved and the whole beautiful fabric is absorbed in the morbid growth for which there is no certain palliative in time and no possible prospect of cure except in eternity was this to be evadne's case alas alas but still doctors sometimes mistake the symptoms and find happily that they have erred when they arrived at an unfavorable diagnosis. So I said to myself, So I said to myself, but the assurance in no way affected the despair which had settled upon my heart, and was crushing it. Late that night I was sitting alone in my study. I had been reading Solomon's Prayer, the dedication of the temple, and the book still lay open before me. It was a habit of mine to read the Bible when I was much perturbed the solemn majestic march of the measured words seldom failed to restore my tranquillity in a wonderful way and it had done so now i felt resigned hearken therefore unto the supplication of thy servant i was repeating to myself in fragments as the lines occurred to me that thine eyes may be upon this house day and night hear thou from thy dwelling-place even from heaven and when thou hearest forgive i must have dozed a moment i think when i had pronounced the words for i had heard no rustle of trailing garments in the library beyond yet the thing i was conscious of was evadne kneeling beside me she put her arms round my neck and drew my face down to her don she said with a great dry sob i am sorry i have annoyed you somehow not annoyed me my wife hurt you then which is worse i have taken all the heart out of you somehow i can see that but i cannot cannot tell what it is i have done she looked into my face piteously and then hid her own on my shoulder and burst into a paroxysm of sobs and tears if only i could have made her comprehend what the trouble was but there i had tried and i had failed one little white foot peeped out from beneath her dressing-gown the pink soul showing she had got out of bed and slipped on her pantoufles only and the night was cold i might have thought that she would lie awake fretting if she were left alone on a night when her mind was so disturbed and here had i been seeking solace myself and forgetting that great as my own trouble was hers must surpass it even as the infinite does the finite But that error I could repair, I hoped, and it should never be repeated. Come, my sweetheart, I said, gathering her up close in my arms. So long as you will let me be a comfort to you, you will not be able to hurt me again. But if at any time you will not listen to my words, if nothing I can do or say strengthens or helps you, if I cannot keep you from the evil, that it may not grieve you, then i shall know that i have lost all that makes life worth having and i shall not care how soon this lamp of mine goes out she looked up at me in a strange startled way and then she clung closer and i thought she meant that if she could help it i should not lose the little all oh, i ask for now the power to make her life endurable End of book six chapter nineteen End of The Heavenly Twins by Sarah G.